I'm Ali Hill and welcome to Stand Out Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness and the uncertainty of life. From banquet to boots, Danny Holloway has a story to share. Growing up on a dairy farm in Gippsland, Victoria, Danny moved to Melbourne to study journalism and communication, which ultimately landed her role in the banking world. As often happens, opportunity grows from frustration. Danny was navigating the wet weather in Melbourne, having grown up in gumboots and noticed a gap in the market that would help the city siders get to work with dry feet. In 2014, Danny quit her job in the banking world, wrote a business plan and launched the Australian gumboot company Merry People. We chat about navigating the growth of this business, the building of the aim of Merry People, which I love. It's about inspiring women to adventure and the core values that the brand lives by. Danny also shares really practical ways that she keeps the important things front of mind amongst the busyness of CEOing, mothering and adventuring. Enjoy this insightful conversation with the CEO and founder of Merry People, Danny Halloway. Danny, welcome. It's fantastic to connect with you. Thanks for having me, Ali. Yeah, excited to be here today. I understand that you grew up in gumboots on a dairy farm. Tell me a little bit about your story. What was it like? Where did you grow up? Talk to me about your story. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm down in South Gippsland, a town called Lean Gutha. And yeah, I, I grew up wearing gumboots. It's a necessity down there. It's quite wet. Uh, it's very green and wet all year round, actually. Um, like, yeah, over summer, there is a little bit of a break. But yeah, it is pretty green. And yeah, I never thought I would be, <laughs> be someone who would start a gumboot business. But yeah, it was just, I guess, as I... Uh, in my 20s the first time I thought of the Gumboot idea I was going to a music festival and looking for a cool pair of Gumboots and I didn't love anything that I saw out there Um, and my friends were either buying really expensive free $400 Burberry type Gumboots or the Bunnings cheaper version Um, so yeah in that moment I remember thinking i I hope someone one day creates a really great gumboot, which is in the middle there. And uh, yeah, I didn't really think that person would be me. <laughs> and then later on in my late 20s, again, I kind of thought back to that idea and thought back to the gumboots that we had growing up on the farm. And yeah, we had really quality, warm, comfortable gumboots. And yeah, I just thought there was a gap in the market and thought, well, why don't I just have a go at doing this? <laughs> and that's when, yeah, the idea for Merry People started. It's so interesting often how ideas come out of frustrations and, and seeing those gaps. If I go back a little bit, um, again, dairy farming is a business in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. What did growing up on a dairy farm teach you about business, resilience, uh, change, yeah. those sorts of things? Yeah, a a lot, to be honest. Um, So I think probably firstly that life isn't always fair. (laughs) That was one lesson I learned really early on in that we often had to help out on the farm. So after school, doing either chores around the house or feeding cattle or uh, just helping in in some capacity. And, yeah, even, you know, if the cows were out at, 
you know, in the middle of the night, we would all be woken up and we'd all have to be out helping get the cattle back from into the right paddock or what have you. So, yeah, no, I think definitely, you know, I would look at all my friends who their parents worked in other jobs and they could just come home and watch cartoons. And, yeah, I remember from really early on thinking, oh, this isn't really fair. But I just had to nice. kind of, <laughs> Yeah, but I just had to suck it up and go with it. And so I think in turn that was also the value of hard work. You didn't have, you had a task and you didn't stop until it was done and it was a very tangible task. So I think those disciplines and learning that from a young age really helped. And then also just being around the conversations in the, at the table. So there were mum and dad, yeah, had farm consultants and you would, it's a very, I guess, you know, you're a prime, they, they were primary, they were primary producers and they're creating a product and selling it to, to a market. And I think it was just a very easy business, I guess, um, model to understand from a young age. And I think, yeah, just being around those discussions and understanding, like having to buy assets, which would help the business grow <laughs> was important. And I think, yeah, just having that mindset from a young age definitely has come through and maybe yeah helps me in in my business journey yeah when you hear some of those conversations as you say around around the dinner table they're part and parcel of okay how do we navigate this challenge what do we do pricing wise Mm. whether it's yeah whether it's gumboots the business thinking conversations can often be the same Absolutely. And also knowing there's hard times, like going through drought and things like that and different economical changes that can sometimes be outside your control and learning that that's a part of business and learning, yeah, different tactical ways that, you know, obviously it's a different approach, (laughs) but learning that, yeah, you have to take tactical um, approaches and it's not all linear, I guess. So that, that, um, that was also a learning I think I took. Heather, do you have family that are still on the farm? Yes, I do. Uh, my parents live on the farm and my actually my whole family have moved back that way to Langatha. So, yeah, my brother, um, he, my, to both my brothers actually live in Langatha and then my sister, her partner, they, yeah, have a small like 10 acre property and they yeah also live down that way so yeah it is it's a really beautiful part of the world and I love going back home like it still feels like home to me and yeah there's something about I don't notice it until I'm there but once I get on the Monash freeway (laughs) down to Lingatha and when I get out of the car I realize how much I needed that space and especially with my life being so fast with Melbourne and business and being a mom and then just going back down there it just yeah it feels I just feel like I get more white space in my life and yeah I love going home. Something about perspective and clarity that can come from space? Absolutely and I think yeah, it's just sometimes hard to get that <laughs> when you're just focused on the next thing and rushing home and doing dinner and bath time and and then, yeah, often you only get space at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night when you just want to go to bed actually. So, yeah, I, I think 
going there and going for walks and cups of tea and with my mom and walking around her garden. <laughs> it just, yeah, it definitely gives me um, energy and, and, and space to think and to be creative. I will talk a bit more about Merry People, um, the concept and the growth and the pathway that you have. But right at this point, I have to ask you the obvious question. Have the boots passed the dairy farmer approval? Do they Are they worn <laughs> in your hometown? Yes. Yeah, no, they're very um, – everyone – I actually went back to Langapa for a women's business event last week and most of the people in the room were wearing Merry People, which was – quite um a little bit overwhelming actually just the amount of people that were telling me how much they loved what I'd created and and the product uh and yeah so no people definitely wear them um in a farming capacity but mostly as a uh into going into town type boot <laughs> or going to local football uh around the garden doing those types of um, light duties, I guess. <laughs> Nothing, um, yeah. That must have been a great, yeah, kind of, as you say, a moment of, of realisation as well. While we've been talking, it kind of sounds like you've gone from Dairy Farm into the business, but that wasn't the case. Uh, in fact, you went and did a degree in journalism and communication and got a job in the banking sector Yes. What was it about that work in the corporate kind of field and particularly in finance? What did you what did you learn and gather from 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 that part of your career? A lot of things. And and I didn't actually I guess I when I was at school, I did not know what I wanted to do. I I I think growing up, I knew I wanted to be a mum and that was probably it I knew that I was someone who could work hard and was passionate and loved my friends I loved people and I loved giving back to the community where I could but yeah I didn't know how that would translate into a career and when I graduated I got a job at ANZ Bank and I thought that would be you know, it was during the global financial crisis and I was, you know, felt lucky to have a job and I thought I'll just do this until I work out what it is I want to do with my life. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think I, even though I initially I you know, was doing, I was working at ANZ and not sure where I would be going, yeah, there were so many skills that I've learned along that journey which are so relevant and have really helped me with Merry People and, um, yeah, I'm still really grateful for those opportunities. But, yeah, I think um, leadership skills, I think doing a project, like executing, creating up with an coming up with an idea for something, delivering it, and so, sometimes when you're technically inexperienced and having to rely on experts around you and sourcing data and sourcing information to to execute on something, uh, yeah, I, they put ANZ put me through project management training and then I did also uh, a graduate diploma in banking and finance. So I think obviously like learning, uh, I had a pretty good grasp of Excel and a lot of other <laughs> um, just, yeah, I think, you know, for now I'm looking at 
financial statements all the time and cash flow forecasting and had to create my own cash flow forecasting. So I think there's just definitely been elements of banking and finance and managing money, which has uh, uh, come with me at, um, in Merry People. So critical not to um, shy away from it and to become friends with Excel spreadsheets, which is can feel like the non-sexy side of, of business, but such a critical part of particularly growth. Absolutely, yes. No, some of our like main models that we use here, uh, so our cash flow forecasting and our ordering is done through Excel. And, yeah, they're like obviously got a lot of um, formulas and <laughs> and there's like a lot to it, but it's, uh, yeah, they're all Excel and, yeah, a very key part of any business, I think. <laughs> so you quit, I understand, in 2014, quit your job in the banking world, had a business plan. Do you remember what was on that business plan? So I didn't actually, I like, <laughs> I didn't actually quit ANZ. So it was, I was actually in a project team and ANZ always does restructures every like any banking or large corporate every kind of six months. And so um, an opportunity came, I guess, for me to take a redundancy. And I normally you have to put your role name forward if you would like a job in the new, the way the new world was going to work. And I had been working on Merry People and Merry People was starting to grow and I didn't put my name forward. So, yeah, I guess it was, for me, it felt like a choice because I had another opportunity at ANZ. Um but yeah, I yeah left ANZ and I yeah in terms of the business plan, I, I should try and dig it up actually. But it was uh, yeah, it's on my old computer. But it, it was just a, like a SWOT analysis, <laughs> um, and then just any everything that was in my mind around where I thought the gaps were in the market and roughly the price point and and why I thought that. Um, and then a bit of a project plan on how I was going to go about it. So it was, um, yeah, uh, like just milestones around learning how to create a boot, learning um, sourcing and and then learning to set my own website. So it was just all the things I just needed to try and learn and I was just doing one step at a time and it was a bit of an active document in that, I was continually meeting new people and they would share with me advice and I'd be putting in like all the notes on what other people, on experts, I guess, were telling me. Talk to me a little bit about reaching out to those first conversations because I think in business the connections that we create, the communications that we have, the, the communities that we can be a part of, knowing that we don't have all the answers but tapping into kind of experts. But that can be a barrier for people either starting out but also who have been in business for a long period of time of I don't want to look like a fool, I don't want to ask a dumb question. Talk to me a little bit about how you navigated some of the internal conversations uh, mm. in that process of reaching out and saying how do, how do you make a gumboot? <laughs> Yeah, like I think it's just a, it is, and I'm reading this book at the moment called Scaling Up, which is, uh, and one of the points I mentioned there is around being the dumbest person in the room, <laughs> and and to that as a CEO, it's just important to not be the smartest person in the room, and I definitely <laughs> feel like I've 
done that in in not in non intentional way, but more in the sense you can't be an expert. There's so many parts of a business, and there is no way you can be an expert in every area. Um, and or, yeah, or be naturally really good at at everything. So yeah, I think it's really important to have that self awareness and know that there's others out there who have done what you're trying to do or yet yeah, or maybe specialized in that particular lane so I think I have never been I think I've yeah I've been a humble person and I have not I don't I don't think I naturally have an ego and I think like I'll always go I've always been very curious so I think when I meet people um yeah, like I think I've always been like sharing, okay, I'm trying to learn about this or do you know, um, have you had any experience with this or do you know anyone that might have experience with X? So I think it's just that mindset shift of uh, being vulnerable somewhat and feeling okay with that and knowing that, yeah, ultimately you're trying to grow and you're trying to, to better yourself and I think if you if you I think you almost put a barrier to your ability to grow as a person and also as and, and the business as well if you're not being open-minded to new ideas and new ways of working because everything is continually evolving so I feel like I'm learning as much if not more now mm. than what I and, and it's just this continuous learning journey um so yeah I'm really fortunate I've got a really great advisory board at Mary People and I have they're what people I've met over the years and I just wanted to create some formal group where we would meet regularly and that for me has been such a support and I yeah wouldn't you know I don't know if I would have had the confidence to execute on some things or even have the growth targets that we've had without having a group of more experienced people around me telling me yep that sounds right or the way you've approached that is great or maybe go speak to that person and get feedback on on that how you've done that so yeah I just I, I think it's it's very important and it's probably one of the reasons that Mary people has been able to grow well yeah it's definitely been one of a part of the reason I love that story of that it's not just even at the start of business in fact it's so important and I continue to get blown away by how generous people are when you do reach out particularly with that sense of genuine curiosity and wanting to learn and grow the amount of support that's there is is incredible talk to me a little bit about Mary people the name where did it come from? What was the intention behind that that name? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I still really love and still connect with the name so much. And for me, I, I basically I knew the product was gumboots. I knew that's what I wanted to create. And then I had this kind of scrapbook, I guess, and I was just writing down brands that inspired me color like colors I was writing down like music everything everything creatively that I thought inspired me and I just kind of did like a bit of a why like why was everything connecting and to me and 
um, and I kept, yeah, it would be, yeah, digging deeper into that and finding why that emotionally connected with me. And so um, I started writing down the feelings of how I wanted people, how I wanted people to feel when they connected with the brand or the product. And I started writing down why people were wearing the product. So they're wearing the product in the garden or going to a music festival or with their animals um, and, and they're in the rain and there's this childlike feeling of freedom and and that you're invincible and just fun and just being messy and getting on with life. And so, yeah, I kept coming back to this idea of happiness. It was the reason I was wanting to start a business and the reason I was yeah starting this journey was for my own happiness and then I wanted customers to feel happy as well and that was like you know and obviously the color in our product talks to that as well so it all kept coming back to happiness for me and that was my purpose in life and so I thought Mary like Mary is really fun and and playful and yeah so yeah I thought initially I think I called the Mary people and then I thought that um yeah, and then I dropped the the eventually, and so it's yeah, just marry people. <laughs> For that, in in amongst the pressures and the the hardship of business and growth and change, it's almost that um, lovely true north of coming back to playfulness and fun uh, that sits behind what you're describing. So I imagine that's a real key to it. I have read, and let me know if I'm incorrect, that part of the aim of the Merry People is to inspire women to embrace adventure. And again, I, I love that. And I'm interested in particularly what was the call to adventure? Uh, like what sits behind even that, that aim when you were coming up with it? Yeah. So adventure and yeah it is it's one of our four values um but for me it was for me the journey of starting merry people was an adventure it was i was standing at the start of this pathway and there was this big you know unknown jungle in front of me and i didn't know which way to go but i think there's just this um that i i just wanted to go i wanted to to go on this journey and I didn't know and yeah I didn't know which way it was I was going to be led but um and yeah it was a little bit scary that initial step but yeah for me it my I felt like my journey was this adventure and I wanted yeah, like I felt like often we do things in life sometimes just because they make sense and because they tick certain boxes. And I felt like that's what I was doing throughout my 20s. And I thought, you know, your adventure doesn't have to necessarily be starting a business and what have you, but just that to do something that makes you feel happy and follow that pathway, even though you might not know where it leads you, it might be uh you know, you might not you might not know if you'll succeed, but just to have a go and to and, and to just take those first steps. And so 
yeah, for me, obviously, there's parallels around a gumboot and the practical sense of putting on your gumboots and it's raining and going for a walk or going camping and having an adventure. But then I guess there's that deeper meaning around just feeling brave and putting your gumboots on and whatever it is in life that you're doing to find uh, to find that strength. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that, that was also a part of the brand the the call to to adventure often can and as you even describe it it sits right next to uncertainty we don't know we don't know what's around the corner and it's almost that call to we'll take the step follow that that idea or that inspiration what's your what helps to pull you back on the path to adventure when doubt and fear and uncertainty turn up it's a really good question actually and it's something I find myself having to anchor myself with at times with with married people I think adventure and happiness and that's why they're a part of our values but yeah I think it's there's obviously sometimes there's a logical path and there's you know we did it this way because we've done it that way before or because that's been a proven method and that might be right um but then I just think it's also important to have these discussions in the office that you know what if we did try it like this and what if you know we might not know but I think just sometimes having that measured approach and yeah I I, people actually my staff have it in their KPI documents so we have at the end of the document I have our values listed and they talk about how they're going to demonstrate and try and live them through their role and for adventure it is very much yeah just being okay with uncertainty and being okay that yeah you might not know the answers today but we can get there and that we can potentially find that resource that or find that information and get there but um yeah, I don't know if I've like 100% answered your question, <laughs> but it, it is, it is, I don't know, I, I feel comfortable with it because I feel like that's every couple, like every few months, Mary People feels like it's a completely new, different, a new business. So I think it's, it's this constant adventure of uncertainty, but obviously there's elements of certainty and that's, you know, making sure we've got enough money in the bank to pay for things and making sound decisions and making sure we have a really great product and there's certain elements there which you mm. need to make sure are strong but then you know some things around how we sell or where we sell and um and colors and those sorts of things yeah we can sometimes just have a go and see what happens <laughs> As you say, with that solid foundation, but then see even that question where you were describing around where we'll be okay, we'll figure it out as as we go. The brand has a really strong connection to its customers and has built uh, an incredibly strong Merry People community. What what has helped facilitate that and, and has there been a moment for you as the founder and CEO where you went, wow, it's now beyond just us selling a gumboot. This is now a, a strength in the community. Is there kind of a, a point in time or a recognition where you'd see the community start to to talk about whether it's adventure or the experiences uh, that they're sharing? Yeah, I think definitely on our 
socials when I see us launch a product or even um, if someone says anything negative on one of our ads, like the amount of people that jump in and defend Mary people, <laughs> um, it, it's quite, yeah, yeah, I get taken back by it. I'm like, oh, wow, I don't even need to respond. People know all this information about us. So, yeah, um, I don't know if there's been like a point of time where it's just been where it has really hit me, but then there's definitely moments like that or, you know, every month we read out maybe 30 of our top customer reviews in our monthly meeting. And when we say top, we mean, you know, we get people that write like an intro body, you know, paragraph and conclusion type review on our website and they're amazing. And to sit back and that, you know, someone's actually typed this out and spent time and telling everyone how much they love their boots and the impact it's had on their lives is pretty yeah it's a lot <laughs> like it's, it's it's yeah it's amazing and it's yeah I feel very uh yeah you, you feel very honored that you've been that you can I guess give this to, to people it's it's really great to see the impact that and, and that people have connected with the brand and I think that comes from us just being authentic I think and we're not we're not trying to be the sexy kids we're not trying to be the super cool kids we're just we're just trying to sell a great product at a fair price and promote happiness which um at adventure which I think people connect with and we try to use I guess models and talent and tell stories that are feel relatable and not too aspirational maybe maybe in some ways but that you know, the people that we use, they, they could be your friends. They could be people that you know and a brand that feels accessible. So I think maybe that has helped people connect with us as well. I imagine that clarity on who we are, what we stand for, and you've spoken to your company values. They're obviously woven into to what you've talked about with your team and what you constantly come back to. They, they can provide a real true north. If I, um, I just want to change tact slightly. So 12 months ago, you embarked on a new adventure. You became a, a mum. Talk to me a little bit about navigating growth in a business that is continuing to grow whilst also being a mum um, and and navigating newborn the first 12 months? Yes, it's probably been the wildest year of my life, <laughs> if I'm to be completely honest. I don't think I initially when I was pregnant, I thought, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a hard worker. <laughs> I can do this. And, you know, obviously here people talk about be, being a mom and uh, being challenging but I, I thought you know I was a hard worker and I love kids I thought I've got this and then I had Jack and I had a pretty challenging birth and then I struggled to breastfeed and I had to basically pump all the time to keep my milk supply up and yeah I think I did that for like eight weeks and it was just crazy mm -hmm. trying to do that and I. I think I did have some level of postnatal depression of some sort. Like I didn't speak to anyone about it, but looking back, I think I definitely felt, you know, that my life had just really changed, which it obviously had, but I meant, you know, 
I was just really, you know, yeah, all of a sudden I was, and it was COVID lockdown as well in Melbourne. So I was just in my house all the time, pumping and feeding and sleeping in one to two hour intervals over a 24 hour period for like months. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was really wild. And I, I, I think coming, I went back to work when Jack was 12 weeks old. So I didn't really get much of a break as such. I felt like that time was really in the trenches with him. And then I needed to come back because I only had five staff at that stage and we were launching in the UK and we just had all these things already in the pipeline. We're doing a collaboration with Karen Walker that was about to come out uh well that was we had to work on more and yeah I just didn't have the infrastructure in my business at that point to step away for longer than that so even those first 12 weeks I was probably having a meeting every day at some point so yeah it was very I feel sad in a way because that should have been a really special moment but I don't know maybe I'm being idealistic in it all but I feel like the first year of Jack has been and, and now it's starting to get a bit better but the it was just very hectic and um, trying to balance the growth because we grew 300 percent so I've got now got a team of 15 and so during that time it's been hiring um sometimes making the wrong I've had to let two people go along that time as well um and then setting up new processes systems um and I went over to the US with my partner and my son and we met with you know we've got two of our board members over there but we're doing a pop-up shop in New York starting next week so we've had to go over and meet um some people there and signed up with a PR agency so I don't know I was just I didn't I have a very amazing ambitious team as well and I just didn't want to be also the reason that like my yeah I don't know that we didn't execute on some of these things but looking back I think I should have slowed down a bit more and uh and not pushed yeah I guess said no we probably don't need to do that straight away because yeah, I would say every probably four to five weeks I was having moments of just coming home and just being in tears on the couch and just feeling like I was a terrible CEO and a terrible mom and my partner just holding me and going, it's okay, <laughs> tomorrow's a new day. And, mm. yeah, so, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty wild. Um, but, you know, I have learned a lot <laughs> from it and I think next time I – wouldn't I I think that now the business has probably got some more structure and yeah because because two months or three months before I had Jack I was doing all the financial all the finances of the business um I was doing all the product design as well and working with our factories on that so I was doing so much still um and so those handovers happened just before I had him (laughs) um so that was also why I had to kind of stay in touch 
difficult because yes. uh, particularly with with the growth and it sounds like the opportunities that were already in the pipeline you want to when you've got ambition when you've got a team when you can see it uh, you don't want to be the handbrake behind that for one of another word um and and you mm-hmm. want to be able to capitalize on opportunities we have where you talk to lockdown you're in melbourne melbourne was one of the most affected cities globally when it comes to lockdown so that being impacted mm. on uh also kind of goes anything can happen in our world you have to maximize opportunities when they come so i can imagine all of that was part and parcel of it as well um so in those moments, having having a spouse or a partner that can can just hold you and, and recognize tomorrow is another day. Was there other things even now maybe that kind of you look to in order to support your own energy, your own kind of space? Mm. Uh, because you know there is this kind of in the trenches with brand newborn and then there's different energy with a 12 month old and then there's another mm. energy that comes with a two-year-old what sort of things mm. um I guess support you or have you kind of learned or is that something that's still a, a work in progress yeah no definitely I think one of like I think that's really important for especially a founder in knowing what gives you strength and knowing when you need a break. Um, but yeah, just knowing, yeah, what gives you energy and what gives you strength. And I, I think for me, it's definitely exercise. So every morning I do some sort of movement of my body, whether it's some yoga, Pilates, a walk or, um, a gym class, I just need that time for me. And I think, yeah, when I do that, I feel strong um and yeah I think eating well and and eating food that nourishes me and gives me energy um and listening to music that makes me feel good as well they're probably the three things that if I adding enough sleep so um which obviously it's really hard to do when you uh have a child (laughs) a baby but yeah I think those other things if I but yeah, if I can do those things, I feel like I can handle pressure and uncertainty and all the things that come up with married people pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I rarely actually have, I can't remember the last time at work that I've shown that I'm feeling overwhelmed or shown that I'm feeling anxious or stressed about something. Um, I'm able to always keep calm and keep it together here and um and sometimes at home I might not be like that with my partner (laughs) um but but it's not always and I think my partner he also has was he is a founder co-founder and CEO of a Melbourne uh social enterprise called Homey and so we actually we met during um when we were both starting our businesses and I think him also being a founder and understanding some of the same some of the uh, I guess the feelings that come up through doing our jobs, I think, yeah, we can have that shared appreciation and, and can help each other. So, yeah, I think they've definitely been anchors for me. 
so important to have that understanding because sometimes the you know the advice out of really caring supportive people can be just have time away or just do less but it, it, that's not always kind of the full picture as well growth is something that is continuing to happen for for merry people talk to me a little bit about what's next what's some of the uh, next pathways collaborations or expansions that you're looking at as a business yeah, so I think for me, one of the important parts about growth is growing in a sustainable way. And I think that's also, as we grow, it's making sure our people feel great about it and the way I'm looking after my team and that they're not getting too overwhelmed <laughs> with everything. And everyone's got the right skills and the right, I guess, equipment and um, and systems and what have you to do their job and so I think that's been important so for me it's like really trying to stabilize that as we grow and make sure that my team aren't feeling too uh I guess nervous and anxious about the growth and I can set try to be that example of that as well but yeah I think um we're also like I guess it's ultimately as we grow I really want to make sure the product remains strong and gets better so I think now that we've grown a bit we've got the opportunity to explore um, ways that we can be more sustainable as a business and we're definitely doing some things really great already but uh, I my my goal would for us to be you know one of the most sustainable products or boots out there in the market and that if we can you know, create a great product that is as sustainable as it can be um, while still performing. I think that would be just the perfect, <laughs> the perfect um, combination for me. So, yeah, we've got one of our board members. He uh, is, is very specialised in this space and he's linked us up with a chemist and we're looking at the compound in our boots and looking at every ingredient and working out, you know, what should stay, what should go, what can, what's better what's, and then what can be improved and doing lots of testing on that. Um, so I think, yeah, that's one big piece. We want to um, look at the rubber farms that our rubber's coming from, which we haven't been able to do yet, and, yeah, really map out that journey from rubber being extracted from a tree right through to the product arriving in the customer's hands. So working out exactly the pathway of that and how much, uh, um, yeah, what the carbon emissions are in terms of that journey and how can we improve that um, and, yeah, looking for factories that are closer to markets and the market that we're selling potentially. Um, so, yeah, it's really, yeah, people, process and product that we need to um, set some goals um, as a business and then every year be chipping away at that. So this year will actually be the first year we're um, sending out a sustainability report at the end of the year and we put it up on our website as well, which will kind of outline what we've done this year and what our plans are for the next year. And I think in when I, you know, wanted to go down this path, I uh I didn't realise how complex and, and challenging it would be and you, know, you kind of think that you can do something but then and have that done in you know, six months or eight months but then once you start 
going down the pathway, you realise how complex it is and that it actually is going to take a lot more time. So I think for us that's okay, but it's just how we need to communicate that to all our customers and all the people that care about Mary people and take them along the journey with us. Um, really important yeah. in terms of particularly there is such a complexity when it comes to sustainability and when you start what I'm hearing you describe is also almost once you start looking into it there is more avenues more things to look at more more products to kind of test um, so I can imagine that that frustration of hey we want it <laughs> want it straight yeah. away but also that the that it's the um, the goal and the pathway and the learning along the way that's just as important as where you arrive at. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's also uh, as a product, I think it also um, Dave, who, who I guess, yeah, consults to us, he said it, it starts with the intention of the product and the intention of the founder and everything that we create, um, we want, you know, I've got some, I guess, a, um, a, a bit of a framework to my product designer on what is important to me and ultimately I really want to create good products that and that people use and that will last and you know I don't want to have a business that has thousands of SKUs I want to do a few things and do them really well and I oh yeah I just I want our products to last and anything that we create it can't be like this gimmicky thing that people are going to use a couple of times and throw out it has to be have reason to exist and have a purpose so um I think we always think about that anytime like like looking at a new product or coming up with a design for something that's yeah what is the intention here Mm. and that helps inform that really key to be clear on that and to keep that front of mind you do have a couple of product expansions that you are moving into can you talk to me a little bit about those yeah, so we've just um, launched some clogs. So, yeah, they're, they're actually the same mould as our bobby boots just cut <laughs> um, the ankle off. So they still have the same comfort and support, arch support. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they're actually selling really well. And then we're also extending our sizing range to go to a size 45. So we currently sell to a size 43 and we'll be – marketing ourselves and as a unisex brand so uh yeah really will be uh I guess shifting a little bit next year in in our in our marketing and yeah just wanting to be that boot that's for everyone intention values getting clear on what's next building communities uh and continually learning and some of the things i've taken from this conversation danny if i come full circle with a final question the name of this podcast is called standout life when you hear that term what does it mean to you to live a standout life i think for me it's to look back on your life and to feel like you've taken the right you've taken all the opportunities that you could have taken and that you can look back and feel proud of the way you've lived life and, and yeah, and that you can, yeah, look back and actually feel like, yes, I've had a standout life. I think for me that would be how I would, and that's how I I would like to feel, (laughs) Um, you know, when I'm older that I can look back and, 
feel fulfilled in what I've created and what I've done for the world and yeah in, in having a positive impact in um with my team with my family and with our customers and our community and um yeah I think I hope that's something I can feel <laughs> great aspiration and that sense of saying yes to to the opportunities that are in front of us. Danny, thank you so much. We'll put all the links to Merry People for, for those that might want to follow on the, the journey, uh, be a part of the community, really excited about what's coming up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ali. Thanks for having me. Again, if you've loved this conversation, my ask would be is if you can share this with others so that we can continue to create and dive into great conversations with extraordinary people if you are on apple podcasts if you can take two minutes maybe even 30 seconds to rate and leave a review for standout life podcasts that would just be so invaluable for me thank you so much for your time Um, i i love these conversations but more importantly one of the things i do love to hear is the feedback on how people connect with the guests and the conversations that we dive into Until next time, have a great week. I'm Ali Hill for Standout Life.